0: Hi, I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline Lawyer, and this is another video in our series entitled Stuff You Gotta Do So You Might As Well Do It Well. And I am grateful to once again be joined by my friend and co-educator, Sabrina Jones Schroeder. One of the things that's so impressive to me is that not only is she the designated broker of her firm, so she runs her firm, but she also manages a very busy practice of her own mm-hmm. uh, where she helps buyers and sellers routinely in, uh, to achieve their goals. So she's busy selling and she's busy managing. And then on this side, she's also you know a real estate commissioner and a, an educator and stuff like that. But enough about Sabrina, let's talk about We want to cover four topics in this video of small, and I'm gonna use, it's probably not even right to use small issues, because if this is the subject of a complaint that you're facing, it's not gonna feel small at all. But issues that the Department of Licensing routinely um, disciplines brokers for, and the first one is not small at all. In fact, it's gigantic Mm. if it becomes a problem for you. And it is a failure to uh, obtain all of the required continuing education before your next renewal.
1: It it is a problem, and and some time ago, the Department of Licensing stopped requiring the sending in of the CE certificates, and so now it can be, um, frankly, a little bit tempting knowing you don't have to send in those CE certificates or even make a list of them when you renew. You're just certifying, basically, I've completed my my 30 or, or 90 continuing edu- education clock hours. And I know it can be a little bit um, tempting if you're falling a little bit short to say, oh, it's okay, I'll just go ahead and certify and, and maybe with, the, with the, the grand intention to sign up for and complete those CE
0: um, credits, um, but that's a problem. It's a problem with steroids because he, what happens is that the Department of Licensing if you've ever renewed before, you know all that you have to do is provide the the information, your application, your certification that you've obtained your CE, pay your renewal fee, and push send. And as soon as you push send, Department of Licensing treats you as being, your license being renewed at that point. So if you push send on June 1st, your license is renewed on June 1st. If the Department of Licensing conducts an audit in December of all of the licenses that were renewed in the last six months, and your license is one of those that's audited for CE compliance, continuing education compliance, then it will be December before you're asked to prove those continuing education credits that you claimed. And if you are unable to do so, not only will you be disciplined for, for uh, engaging in fraudulent activities when you um, misrepresented your CE on your licensing application but worse than that Sabrina tell them what will happen
1: the Department of Licensing will revoke your license for failure to have completed your continuing education clock hours but not only will it be revoked as of that December audit but it will be revoked retroactively to when you renewed it in June which Tells you then that you will have been licensed. You will have been practicing real estate without an active license for those six months, and that's a problem. Those transactions that you did during that time period are subject to um, to review, and there's going to be larger problems than just the failure to uh, have your continuing education clock hours completed prior to license renewal.
0: And the news just keeps getting worse and worse because not only is it a problem for that broker or I should say that unlicensed person who used to have a broker's license, it's also a problem for the designated broker in whose firm that person or through whose firm that person without a license was selling real estate. So DB starting at your level, make sure you have compliance mechanisms in place to make sure brokers are are taking the steps they need to to have their licenses properly renewed and considering continuing education and everything else. Brokers, make sure you have everything calendared. And while we're talking about licensing and continuing education and everything else, Sabrina what is that other every what does that everything else include? Yeah the next thing is your fingerprinting
1: right the Department of Licensing is requiring
0: lots of folks
1: to get their fingerprints done with their license renewal um, So it's a great practice to get into to log on to your secure access Washington your saw account well in advance of license renewal We were talking before the video started filming about logging in like maybe six months prior to license renewal and just seeing are, are you being chosen to have your fingerprints done this license renewal and if so go ahead and go get them done um, they're taking anywhere from six to eight weeks for those license or for those fingerprint um, um, results to get turned into the department of licensing um, better to get them done ahead of time before you're renewing the license than be waiting around for them to be turned in
0: Yeah, because one of the things that I'm hearing on the hotline is that a lot of brokers aren't learning that their fingerprints are going to be required for their renewal until closer to that renewal application deadline than the amount of time it takes to get the fingerprints processed. So Sabrina's right. Just just check into your SAW account every now and then. Apparently, you go to the Department of Licensing, there's a link on the Department of Licensing webpage that you can follow to Secure Access Washington. You'll have to log, if you've never created a SAW account, you'll have to create a a SAW account, but then you can log in and figure out what, what your status is. Okay, another issue that the Department of Licensing disciplines for is brokers delivering keys prior to the new owner of the property being entitled to receive the keys. A, a, a new owner is entitled to receive the keys if you don't doctor the, the, the purchase and sale agreement at all. If if you if you rely on the boilerplate language of the purchase and sale agreement, and buyer is in, then the buyer is I'm sorry entitled to keys at 9 p.m. on the date of closing. Whether they take possession that day or not, this is a different topic altogether, and I'm not going to go into why it is that they might get keys even if they're not getting possession. But form 21, the purchase and sale agreement, says that the buyer gets keys at 9 p.m. on the day of closing, regardless of when possession is. Buyer brokers, if you're giving keys to the buyer before the time that they are entitled to have those keys or otherwise before the seller has consented to give the key, for you to give the keys to the buyer, then then you might have a disciplinary problem. Now, Sabrina, in reality, I suspect that there are ways that this play out between buyer brokers and listing brokers for the handing over of the keys to the buyer, the house is vacant or something different. Can you talk to that a little bit? You know, sure. If a a house is vacant, it's entirely possible that the buyer uh,
1: may get their keys prior to that 9 p.m. deadline in the purchase and sale agreement. But I would caution buyer brokers to make sure, and this goes back to an earlier video series that Annie did about about advocacy and communication. And frankly, just being a broker and brokering the deal, you've got to pick up the phone and make the call. Buyer brokers, you've got to make the call to the listing broker to confirm, hey, we're recorded, we have recording numbers, it's a done deal, great having a cross-sale with you, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, is it okay if I go ahead and get the key out of the lockbox and give it to my buyer? And frankly, I would get that in writing, at least in a text, Absolutely. Uh, but I would try and get that in an email. And And here's the reason why, even in a vacant house, we all know in an occupied house that's important because the seller may still be moving out. But even in a vacant house, I could tell you story after story of a seller who has an emotional attachment to a home, who's uh, going back to to whatever, mourn the loss of a parent who who lived in that home, whatever the case might be. And uh, the seller shows up to do whatever they're going to do Uh, assuming that they can be there until 9 p.m. And the buyer's there with their U-Haul and it creates discomfort and it frankly paints both of the realtors in a negative light. So contractually, buyer's agents, 9 p.m. day of closing, that's when you can turn over the key. If you're going to do it earlier, you must have the consent of the seller via the listing broker
0: and get it in writing. I couldn't say it. I can't say it better, so I won't. Thank you for that. We're going to move on to the next topic, which is make sure... Brokers, that you receive compensation for the provision of real estate brokerage services from only one entity. That one entity from whom you can receive compensation is your broker, (laughs) your
1: designated broker is the only person who can pay you. It's, it's lovely if your client loves you dearly and, and would like to write you a little check on the side for your efforts. It's just a violation of the licensing law. You just can't do it. You, you can't take money from anyone other than your designated broker. Um, so thank your client. Uh, if they'd like to, to pay through your, your firm, uh, that's great, but um, you can't take payment from anyone but your designated broker.
0: Okay, so we need to have a little conversation here. Okay. Because, and, and it's not a violation of licensing law, is it? So I I don't know. So this is, I've I've gotten this question before and I've actually told brokers, listen, if you're, if you're receiving the commission um, from, through your firm, Mm -hmm. which is who you are required to receive it from. And you get the full commission through your firm and then a, a your client wants to give you let's say they want to give you a, a, a fruit basket as a thank you gift that would be okay right they mm-hmm. could give you a fruit basket they don't have to give it to your firm they're going to mm-hmm. give it to you fruit basket thank you so what if they wanted to give you a 50 dollars gift card to a restaurant could you is it a is it like a gray area i don't i really don't know the answer i've told people i doubt that the department of licensing is going to discipline you right. if you take a 50 dollars gift card from a from a client who says thank you for your services at the same time, you're receiving, comp- it's a gift, yeah. so it, it maybe it's not compensation in exchange for real estate brokerage services, but it, it's kind of a gray area. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess
1: if, if it were me and I were the broker and I was aware of that situation, I would draw the line in the sand at cold, hard cash. You know, if it's a gift basket, fine. Uh, if, if it's even a gift card, and I know that seems maybe random where I choose to drop my lines in the sand, but, um, I think if the client is get, just going to sit down and write you a check, to me, that is compensation. Um, that's where I draw my line in the sand for my, for my agents.
0: Yeah. Well, and also it might be the amount. I mean, it could be a, a gift card for $1,000, uh, you know, a, 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 visa gift card. a visa gift card for $1,000, and I think that would be troublesome. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there is, just like in everything that the Department of Licensing, all of the regulatory decisions, there's going to be a lot of discretion on the department part of the Department of Licensing, Mm -hmm. the the rule that you need to remember is you can only receive compensation through your firm. And where this Mm -hmm. comes into play, Sabrina has highlighted one of them, one of the questions I get a lot is, as a broker, I've just been asked to do just a quick broker's price opinion for, Mm -hmm. you know, it might be a lawyer's asked me to do it for an estate or something like that, or maybe it's an REO and I've been asked to do a BPO, a BPO for an REO. Uh, Can I take (laughs) compensation directly for that? And the answer is no preparing a broker's price opinion or a market value analysis I don't care what you call it because they're the same in the Department of Licensing's perspective when you do that you are engaged in the provision of real estate brokerage services and the only compensation you can receive for that is through your firm and and I think that would beg a conversation
1: between you and your designated broker. I understand why an agent, a, a broker, licensee, might not want to report that to their designated broker. They're, oh, is that subject to my compensation split? And you know, et cetera, et cetera. You, you just need to have that conversation with your designated broker. Um, and that's a policy that your designated broker might have, is that broker price opinions or commissions under a certain amount may not be subject to your, your firm split. But that's a conversation you need to have Um, And and the fact that you don't want to split a tiny little BPO fee with your firm is not reason to just accept that fee separate uh, from that REO department, for instance. Yeah.
0: So what she just said wasn't have a conversation with your broker and then decide with your designated broker that you're going to take it directly from the (laughs) consumer. She didn't say that. No. She said have a conversation with your designated broker about whether or not there's going to be a split between you and the firm for that tiny little amount, but that tiny little amount still has to be paid to your firm and from your firm to you. Correct. And similarly, property management. The, the
1: We were talking about that, the decision to do BPOs, to whether that's for attorneys in divorces or estate sales or BPOs for REOs, etc. Another very common service we are asked to do as licensees is, um, can you just manage this property for me? You sold me this house. Uh, we're, we're not moving to the area for six months. Could you secure you know, a short-term renter for us and and just just take care of that little bit of of property management? Um, And and the answer to that is no, whether you're doing it for a fee or not. Uh, You you have to have your designated broker's um, authority to engage in those property management um, activities. Again, whether it's for a
0: fee or not that's she's exactly right and not only do you have to have your designated brokers permission but your designated broker literally is the only person within the the firm who's authorized by the licensing law to sign the ownership agreement with the with the owner of the property designated broker can delegate that authority to another managing broker within the firm but but a a broker or even a managing broker who has not received the delegation authority from the designated broker they're not licensed they're not authorized to sign an ownership agreement with a with it with an owner to handle property management services and you can't a firm cannot do cannot engage in property management without a property management agreement between the firm and the owner that cannot be done casually simply put cannot be done casually
1: so Annie before we leave this uh, video series would you just circle back around for just a quick second and tell everybody why it is so important that all compensation be paid through the firm. I just think it would be really important for our members to understand oh. the reasoning why.
0: No you're right. I, 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 t- I think it helps. If you can understand why something has to be done it's better than just having a rule that says it has to be done. Think about the entire licensing law and the structure of supervision that's set up in our licensing law. The a firm licenses all the brokers license to it, but the firm is managed by a single human being, a designated broker. That designated broker has supervisory, not only authority, but liability and responsibility for everything that happens within that firm. All real estate brokerage services that are provided through that firm, designated broker is responsible. So if we have a scenario where the firm is over here, but there's a de- but there's a broker, a rogue broker, doing their own activities over here, selling real estate doing bpos whatever it might be managing properties for people and getting compensation themselves without running it through the firm how is this how is the designated broker ever going to know about that how can the designated broker supervise those people if they don't know what's happening and so that's why the licensing law says all compensation must be paid through the firm so if a broker is out here collecting their own compensation that broker is in violation of license law. It's not just that your designated broker or your firm is gonna get in trouble for, for not supervising properly, but broker, you are the first offender in this scenario because you're receiving compensation directly from a member of the public instead of through your firm because the licensing law says that you are prohibited from receiving compensation from any anybody but your firm, anybody but the designated broker paying it through your firm. So for you to receive compensation from a member of of the public, you are in violation of the license law. That forces your activities up through your firm. If you're gonna get compensated through your firm, then your designated broker is gonna be in charge of supervising the activities that generate that compensation to you. You got it. Okay, enough for this video. We will be back though with another in this series. Until then, if you have questions for me, please send, uh, please send your questions to legalhotline at warealtor.org. Thank you for being a Washington Realtor member.